Did you go to NYU? No, I did a program at NYU. I did like a musical theater program at NYU. Then I think I have, because I've told this story way too often. Uh, that you were a freshman at NYU, you were, uh, I did the orientation at NYU, you came down and said, hey, I really want to do stand-up, where, where do you go? And I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of spots. I'm like, great. And then I could have sworn you told me years later, I was the kid that you spoke to after one of those orientation shows. So if it's not you, how do we know each other? I, we definitely know each other from, you, you did like one of my weekly shows way back at that the pit or whatever. Jesus Christ. But but this is a fiction then. Well, I even told Des I've known this kid forever. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, like a, nice, it sounds like a nicer story. I was trying to claim responsibility for everything, Jimmy. Um well cuz you wrote No, I cuz when I got uh, uh the Comedy Central set. Yeah. You wrote me this very sweet message. Yeah. About hey, look how far You've come or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's really, that's really, really nice. nice. I just booked you once on The Last Laugh at the Pit Underground uh. for $25. But very kind of you to be that supportive. Well, what makes me sad is whoever that other kid was, I made no impact on his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw him barking outside the grizzly pear the other day. He told me to keep doing it. I'm, I'm not giving up yet. It's got to happen. But I felt so <laughs> guilty because it was so sweet what you, you said. Didn't and I didn't want to be like, and, and you know, I was, I was even, uh, even newer. So I was like, oh my god, like, this guy's reaching out to sweet. me. Yeah. And now all some people are going to be, oh, you're Hercules' protege, right? He's talked about how you, how he changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Your styles are nothing alike, but yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> oh my god, that's so fun. I'm so glad we got to the bottom of that, yeah. and that you didn't leave the moment we established <laughs> no, that I'm we so, don't have this I'm storied history. I got it wrong. We can tell people. I don't really care. I, yeah. I'd like people to think I went to NYU. If I'm being honest, <laughs> so yeah, we met at NYU. You were and his you protege. Said, kid, kid, I can tell you got it. <laughs> I can tell you got it. What did you say to that guy? Were you very were you very sweet? Yeah, I was probably not as broken as I am now, so I probably told him, "Yeah, absolutely. There's all these great I mean, you can start anywhere. If you start in Queens, there's a place called Creek in the Cave. You go to Brooklyn, there's all these great shows. You go to Manhattan, like is it, now I'd be like, "What are you doing? Why yeah. would you why would you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason to do this. Do you know how to edit and subtitle things? If do you like doing that for a living? <laughs> then you yeah, you could absolutely. If you want to edit and subtitle this is the industry for you. <laughs> Otherwise, why are you doing this? This is the downside. One, two, three. Downside. Downside. You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With Marco Cerezi. Welcome to The Downside. My name is Marco Cerezi. This is a place where we're free to be negative. Complain, bitch, moan, not pretend things are good because they're not. Uh, uh, I'm here with my co-host Russell Daniels. How you Hi, doing? Hi, John Marco. And we're here with our special guest Hari Kondabolu. Thank you so much Hello. for being here. Hello, fellas. Thank you. We nice just established. Here. We'll see what we were able to capture that that we do do not know each other. But you're very sweet. I got to see you know how nice you you can be. The potential. I had an investment kindness. in your success. You have no idea. And even, I mean, and the main reason I agreed is like this kid's come a long way. I got to keep supporting him. Wow. And, I said to my girl, I said to my girlfriend, should I bring this up that that he wrote me a nice thing? And she was like, I don't know, it might be a little strange to get up no, on the wrong good. foot. No, it's good. It's good. No, you're not, it's not the wrong foot. I, I believe in honesty. I believe my ego was too big to begin with, John Mark. This is the best thing that could have happened. Now you me. do know my girlfriend though. 
Uh, uh, Tova Silberman, you. Oh my God! We judged a contest. You judged together a contest together in Vermont. In Vermont. Really? Yes. What contest? Uh, uh, the, Vermont's the, funny. Is it definitely her? You want to check to make sure I didn't get that wrong? Is it? <laughs> is it another manager? It could have been another manager. It's definitely her. Okay. When was this? Uh, uh, yeah, 2019. Something like that. Yeah. Tina Frimmel was the winner. Tova's Tina's client. So, oh yeah. That's that's when she signed uh, Tina, huh? Yeah. Yeah. God, Tina's so funny. So funny. Brilliant. Yeah. Did you see her Comedy Central set? No. Oh, she just had a Comedy Central set. Oh, good for her. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll put it. Links links in the comments. Yeah. We'll put in uh, Tina Frimmel. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll definitely write her a note and congratulate her and, and th- you know say you're welcome for getting you started and <laughs> influencing <laughs> your comedy career from those early days. Yeah. Um, uh, those who are, are listening, who are new, uh, just a reminder, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash downside. Bonus episodes, live episodes, my clean comedy special, The Rats Are In Me. Uh, uh, I want to talk all about you. I have some shit I'm, I'm dealing with. Sure. I had a, I had a rough morning. What so, happened? okay, last year my dad had a quintuple bypass. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, not, not the healthiest life, not the most unhealthy life, but in my mind I'm like, I've lived a healthier life than he has, right. food-wise at the very least. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get my calcium score. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I, I'm going to go get like a CT scan of my heart, just see where things are at. Okay. I do that on Tuesday. Very scary. It's one of those machines you lie down, and it's, 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 it's a glimpse of what the future is going to look like, and it's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in there. They leave the room because of the radiation, whatever, and this thing starts spinning like a laundry machine, and it starts getting loud, like where you're like, oh, is the laundry machine about to break? And yeah. I, 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 I yell out. I go, is it supposed to be doing that? Yeah. And uh, horrifying. Got it done. This morning, I fucking wake up. I get a message from NYU, whatever. It's like, your calcium score is 13. Uh, that's That's... I Google it. That's technically heart disease, you know, within the range of heart disease. They say you have a little bit of plaque in one of your arteries and that's it. Huh? No, let's talk about this. No, No. don't worry about anything. We can check in on Monday. Nothing, Huh? nothing. And I, are you using the right word calcium? Yeah. Calcium. Yeah. Like the vitamin. It doesn't just make your bones strong. It kills your dad's weird. Wait, but if they didn't make it a big deal, it's probably not a big deal, right? They, uh, they, they said there's they said there's a thing in your artery. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But they did okay. nothing. Okay, screaming about it. Things. <laughs> Just settle down, John Mark. So then, then I and, and I think so, then I call my dad. I call the doctor. I, I'm 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 at my worst self. And the doctors, they're not gonna call you right back. It's gonna be a while before you can get that guy on the phone. Oh, not at all. And this yeah. is the doctor who has he's like jokes about everything. He's like, he will say, yeah. yeah. Looks like you have a couple days left. Oh. And it, it, but I think sometimes I'm at that age where like you're talking to the doctor about things and you're like, so are you saying that I'm going to die someday? Like, I think that's part of the, the, yeah. the rage yeah. is just being like, cause it's not that high and yeah, I can't prevent it. But at some point yeah, you gotta deal I will with die. No, it's and like, I think that's yeah. why I'm so mad at the doctor. Uh. It's like trying to be like, so you're saying this is going to be a thing? Yeah. That it's going to be bad? I day. think it's it's not understanding what the patient is going through, right? Because I don't, I don't think, because yes. if it was really bad, they would tell you and they would they do would more tests. Right. Yeah. But it's the idea of like, I'm going to give them this information without explaining it 
at all. Yeah. And so I'm sure they'll figure out it's fine. And the thing, I just think it's doctors so in their worlds, they're not thinking how you're going to receive it. I remember I got a call once, I had a bunch of blood work done, and I got a call once from a doctor, and the message was, it's important, please, please call me back. And uh, which is terrifying. And you're an anxious guy. And I'm away. Anxious guy. Oh, you're very, very, oh, yeah, very yeah, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, lots of anxiety. So I, I call and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And she, she said something about not having, it, it wasn't calcium, but it's like, you need to have more vitamin E. It just feels like the, the numbers aren't high. You need more vitamin E. I'm like, okay. And I was very upset. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was hard reaching her. It uh-huh. had been hours of me imagining yeah. like, you, you know, went in person to get that info? I called. I uh-huh. was. I, if she didn't pick up, I was going to walk there. Uh, I had something like that, too, where they said, we're not allowed to tell you over the phone. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, not a good quality, but no. I, I, I bullied them into giving me the answers. Yeah. yeah. And they said, your cholesterol is a little high. That's yeah. bu- it's like what is a copay scam? Is that yeah. what they're just trying to make twenty five bucks off you? To you to come in, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, one time I yeah. one time they told me they said um, we it was a blood work thing and they go said we won't call you unless there's something really wrong, you know. And then the next day I get a phone call from them and I pick <laughs> that phone up and I I remember where I was in the street in New York. I thought this is where I find out it's all over, and they were like, yeah, we got your blood work, and they were like, totally normal. And I said I was like. Okay, because you said you wouldn't call unless it was like I was like <laughs> freaking out. I just love the idea of the doctor. That's how they diagnose it. They go, "Is this Russell? It's all over. <laughs> we got the results back. It's oh. it's done. Oh, Say man. goodbye." Well, I'm sorry about your your heart. Uh, I'm more sorry you brought it up because I'm I'm gonna faint right now. <laughs> you know me, any of the medical stuff. Do you know what your calcium score is? No, but I go to the a cardiologist once a year because of the blood pressure, mm. and it's never been. That's not been a thing. And, and I do all the tests. And on top of know? this, they said that I, this is not a new thing. They said it would be $150 out of pocket for the heart thing. I said, okay. I wake up, they say you owe $450 more. God. And, and there's a feeling. And I wrote back. It's because you screamed. <laughs> it's because there's like some extra charge for you screaming and freaking everyone out. And I don't know. Have you have you ever been in one of those machines where you have to lie down and you go into a thing? And yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I had to get an MRI. I had a concussion, so I went to get an MRI a bunch of years back, and it was a closed MRI, which basically means uh, you're in a machine lying flat, and the th- the thing is right here, and it's completely dark. And oh. There's no space. I didn't know any oh. of this, and so I go in and. He's like, are you going to be okay? Are you afraid of tight spaces? And I thought I wasn't until that moment because I don't think I realized how tight tight meant. Yeah. And so next thing I start screaming and I'm like, get me out. I can't do this. I can't do this. So the tech comes back in, opens the thing. I, I get out. I'm like, did you, did you get anything? I'm like, I, she's like, I, I, I had just gotten to my seat. <laughs> I had just gotten to my seat when you started screaming. Uh, that was my first, like, we're good, right? So then they told me there was an open MRI machine. I'm like, that's what you lead with. That, yeah. that there was another option to this torture contraption that seemed like from another era. Also, apparently they're like, did you not get a prescription for, for Xanax or something to knock you out before? I'm like, no, none of this. Insane. None no, of this was, no. I'm like, oh, people often do that so they can just be asleep and they don't feel anything. Oh. 
That's like those those relaxation pod things. I would never do that. that oh, would, like, what's a relaxation pod? Like you're, it's you mean like, sensory deprivation yes, tank? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's you're like a little water. pod. You're, you're floating in water, but then it closes down, like, and you're like it's supposed to relax, like you feel weightless. And it's all totally dark, and you're floating ah. in water, but in a pod. Uh, it sounds like and a nightmare already. It sounds like a nightmare already, but then I heard the story. Ariel, our friend Ariel. They forgot about her. Which she, uh, she was uh, a comedian? Uh, no, she's an actor. Okay, uh, but she was. They, but she was in Beth with Amy Schumer. They forgot about her. Uh-huh. She was lying in there an extra hour and a half. She was in that pod for like two and a half hours because they just forgot she was in there. Wow. And she was like, I felt like it was like taking longer. How did they open the door? I like, been, I feel like ten minutes in, I'd be like, Let me, out. <laughs> let oh me out. I, I can't oh imagine God, relaxing in here. In there. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Yeah, they don't do anything to make it a hospitable experience. I know yeah. that's not the priority, but like there could be pillows. Like with the there thing with the noise, be no one told yeah. me that this yeah. this thing was just making a, a noise that yeah. felt like something's wrong. And I yeah, in my yeah, mind, yeah, I just yeah. saw it. And they said they could see it on my heart thing that my heart rate shot up because in my yeah. head I saw it exploding yeah, and I died. All you gotta do is a couple of sentences. This is what you're gonna expect, and that makes it yeah. so much easier. Or you could say, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, at least give me some sense of what this is. The, the thing in the dark just made me think about, uh, I was in Montreal with my partner, and uh, we went to this restaurant that had gotten these incredible recommendations, and they said you're, that whole idea is that it's um, the wait staff is all people who are visually impaired, and you're going to be sitting in a, in a dark room while they, they serve you. No, I don't think I understood what dark meant. When I meant, I thought it meant like, like a dark room, but you can still kind of see each other. Yeah. No, I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. They had blackout curtains like you were in the dark. And it, like we're opening your eyes and closing your eyes. Exact same thing, which I guess is the point because all yeah. the people are, are visually impaired. The first uh, five to ten minutes, probably even 15 minutes, probably, not probably it might have even been longer. I don't say I lost a sense of time. I, it was like when I was in that MRI. Like, get me out of yeah. here. And so I'm like, I asked my partner, like, you got to hold my hand. Just hold my hands, hold my hands, hold my hands. And then we're getting through it. And then by the end of it, I was holding her hands. Like, she was freaking out. Like, she, yeah. I'd gotten used to it, and she finally hit her limit. And the whole time, like, the the waiter's incredible. Like, like I have no idea where any of the eat? tables are. How did you eat the food? You you poked around and hoped you'd get something. I don't, and I don't. Oh, it was a mess. Like, it was pretty incredible. You'd have to start visualizing, okay, there's this much space on the table. I left the the, the cocktail here. I left the water glass here. There's something here. You have to, like, spilling shit everywhere all not, the time. Not at all, but it made the experience very taxing and stressful. It Because like, everything was so <laughs> deliberate and slow. And, uh, you know... Was, I want to try that. That's the kind of shit it, I Is it a pop-up or is it a permanent place? Permanent. It's called, I think it's called Au Noir. There's one in Toronto and one in Montreal. Let's go when we're in Montreal this okay, year. The good it. thing about the one in Montreal is everyone was speaking French. I didn't. I don't speak French. So it just felt like background <laughs> music in a weird way oh, as opposed okay. yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did have background music. And whenever the music stopped, for whatever reason, it was terrifying. Because all of a sudden there was a break of like, you know, it just yeah. felt like we're in the dark room. Because we were. How and did the waiters get around? <laughs> Un- they're unbelievable. They don't have night vision goggles or anything. Well, because no, they're visually impaired. They can't see. Oh, the waiters are visually impaired. So that's kind of the experience. You were experienced with what they're experiencing, and so this was. I remember that I was checking it, and it's like an interesting career. I, I can think person. of a lot of different like disabilities. That's like, well, do we have to have dinner like this? But it's it, it's but it was really just like 
kind of beautiful because he's like he would like kind of calm us down which part of me felt guilty i'm like you're living this every day you're yeah, calming oh, us I mean, down i can't imagine yeah. people being like i hate it i hate it get me out of here get me out of here and me, like, meanwhile he's like like he was holding three chair uh, trays and he's putting them on different tables while he's talking to us i'm like how is this happening you're holding three trays you know which table each one belongs to while you're calming me down like it was the it was like you're unbelievable this is yeah. so amazing and at the end of it i'm like i think i would do that again and my partner was like she was absolutely against it yeah yeah she's yeah. like absolutely not wow i was really because there was something it was it got kind of peaceful after a while and it was weird because like it felt like we tapped out early i'm like oh we probably left after 30 minutes we'd been there for an hour and a half to two hours wow you just have no sense of time that's what we should do. We, we should do one. Maybe. Do a sensory deprivation tank with me. Not, not the tank. I'll, I'll do the restaurant, not the tank. I've convinced we're going to do a shrooms night. We're planning it now. Mm -hmm. Russell's never done shrooms. I've, I've done never done it once. I want to do a practice round like at my house sure. in the summertime or fall. Before, sure, sure, sure. Before we go away to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I just <laughs> yeah, want to be yeah. my own home before. It really was so chill. You've never done yeah. shrooms. I've never smoked weed. I've never. <gasps> wow. I'm a square. Old school square. Yeah. Now, is that because is it were, were you trained well as a child not to do this stuff? That's some of it. You know, I, I felt I was always a quote unquote good boy, you know, uh -huh, uh, me but, too. but at the same time, like I just the idea of uh, losing control in any way always made me feel uncomfortable. And I don't think I ever had friends who were the type that would be adventurous, who I would like, you know, like my friends were like me, like we didn't do anything. So it was very like. Do yeah. you think with your kid, yeah, who will be in a world where weed's more more present? Sure. Don't you think you might want to try it so that when your kid tries it at thirteen, I I do. In fact, I made a a TV pilot uh, where I do things I've never done before for the first time, so I'm more prepared as a oh, father. I love that. And wow. it was uh, the, the the episodes were going to be swimming, driving. I haven't done a lot of things. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't swim? I can't swim. I can't drive. I've never been on a roller coaster. I, I've never done yoga. I've never been to a strip club. I've never smoked weed. Stand-up is one of the few things I know how to do, to be perfectly honest. You're like me in that where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll learn that skill if we film it for a TV show. Oh, it felt like I spent a lifetime preparing for this show. Like, this was actually, like, like this was uh, method acting without me realizing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so when they passed on the show, it was like, man, now I'm going to just no, do never these learn how to swim. There's well, no financial benefit in learning how to swim now. What was the pilot? What did you actually do? Swimming. Pilot? Swimming. Okay. Which was hard because like it was during COVID still. Uh -huh. And so like there was just limited amount of like places we could actually do it. Limited amount of time. There were so many restrictions. We just we didn't have enough to do multiple days of swimming. So it's just yeah. one lesson of me floundering about. So it wasn't did you learn? No. But let me ask this because when, a pilot. when they train babies to swim, part of it they just throw them in there, and it's like nature yeah. takes we, over. Uh, we actually well, there's lessons before that. They don't just day one throw them in. No, they do. Okay, they I, just throw them in. I, wrong. Well, we actually had a lesson. This is how much I wanted the show. My nine month old, we put him in the water with a, a swimming instructor to give him a swimming lesson. So he wasn't just thrown in, but he was placed in. And you know they were. He was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. Eventually they do do that though, because I I've seen my my niece. They when she was very young, like one something. Yeah. After a few lessons, they do just throw them in. And but they have some like 
practice like doing this kind of it's, thing. As someone who so always swum, it's it's hard to understand. It's one of those things where it's like it's hard to understand not being able to do it because I'm like I'm not like one two three. I'm just like my, you know my parents don't know how to swim. It's not like they came from like a big swimming culture. You know what I yeah. mean? And mm -hmm. so. If you don't have that, it's just like, okay, don't do it. You're going to drown. As opposed to the instinct being you have access to a way to prevent you from drowning if you're in this situation. You should learn this thing to avoid drowning. Their thinking was just avoid it altogether. Just yeah. don't be near water. Yeah. Just fill yourself with enough fear that the thought of even being near a pool <laughs> frightens you. And so they chose a different tact, which I am not planning to, to use with my child. How far did you get in your swimming lesson? I mean, I... Uh, Is that why the pilot didn't go? Because you, you drowned at the end? They said, well, <laughs> it can't be this. I mean, the pilot didn't go because... Uh, I, I, I know, there's all sorts of... It's just, it, it's always... I hate the thing when it's like, you know, our... Our goals as a network changed since we bought this. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this while I was making it? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I wouldn't have made it and scared myself to death. I mean, uh, I do want to do these things. I mean, the things I'm most interested in doing, obviously, swimming because it's a life thing. Yeah. Driving so how far did you get with the swimming? It was just, it just floated a little bit with an instructor. Not Were you much. scared? Were you like terrified? It was awful. That's fascinating. I will say going underwater for split seconds, like getting my head under was wonderful after a while. Uh-huh. When you get used to the sensation, like, oh. You in a pool? In a pool. I'm like, pool. even though I'm just seeing the bottom of a, a pool, it's like, I'm under the water looking at stuff. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. I mean, th I didn't get that far is what I'm saying. Like, it was pretty, yeah. Um, I watched I watched your new special. Yeah. It was great. Thanks. Uh, great promo. Oh, what, a, what a great <laughs> promo to get. Yeah, Hank's great. Are I'm you you and Hank like pals? Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's really nice, actually. We did a... Um, an interview on NPR's Code Switch not that long ago, just kind of talking about the experience of what, what happened after the documentary came out about Apu and, you know, how, what he experienced, what I experienced. And it was it was really nice. It was like a thoughtful conversation. And he's he's really learned a lot from the uh, from the yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. And he's really dedicated himself to doing like anti-racist work. Can people see the documentary? Where can HBO I see it Max. Okay, HBO great. Max. I thought I... Yeah. I I saw parts of it. It finally got him to stop doing the Apu voice, which okay. I appreciated very much. Okay, okay. But uh, <laughs> do you still get? Do you still get hate mail yes. from the documentary? Yeah, yeah. Every week. It every used week. To be, it used to be multiple times a day, but it's every it, week. Could yeah. you for the it's listeners who years. haven't seen it? I mean, it's it, it was just a huge thing. But he, it's called the problem with Apu. It's a documentary about what it felt like to be South Asian and your only representation. This was like '90s, you know, was yeah, yeah, Apu. Yeah. Like you didn't get anything else. There yeah. was nothing to compare it to. That, that was it. And initially, how that felt kind of neat, like we exist, and then you realize that's the only way we exist. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so, as a kid growing up in that era, and as a Simpsons fan, it was this weird, like this is like my favorite show in the world, but this character is causing me torment. And did you think that from the beginning, or no. was there like a what age? What what age did you become aware I, of of that feeling? I'm probably I, I, when did I start seeing the show? Whenever the show came out, I started watching. So it was probably a couple of years in when you realize that. Oh, I'm laughing at a poop, but other people are laughing at me. That's a I big, see, I see. you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, this character's funny, but I, the idea of extending it to other human beings that are real, like, never, I never thought that was an option. And, you know, for me, like, again, if you don't exist, seeing something that vaguely, even though it's a cartoon voiced by a white guy, just seeing something that exists that vaguely looks like you feels incredible. You yeah, because yeah. you don't exist. You don't exist in the country. There's no evidence that your people were ever here. 
it, you know, even growing up in Queens, you know, where I see this community that's so diverse growing up in Jackson Heights and then I'm looking uh, on TV and film and you start to realize, ah, oh, the rest of the country doesn't seem to look the way it looks here. Yeah. It was incredible. And then after a while, it's like, no, this is a, a prop to make fun of us. Like, for sure. Yeah. And The Simpsons was just such a rare show that's been on for so long. So it's like, yeah. there's a, a weird grandfathered thing. Like, of like, 100%. It's the same with South Park. South Park gets away with some wild shit sometimes where it's like, well, that's just what, what it was. They do, right. That's it, how long a show's been existing on the air. I mean, it, it's kind of what I say, said about, I said it at the end of the documentary. It's like, you have to treat The Simpsons like your old racist grandfather, like you love your grandfather, you've had great memories with your grandfather. But they are who they are, and at a certain point, you just have to wait for them to die. And yeah. so I think that's kind of what this is. It's like, you know, this thing has gone on probably too long unless they develop more interesting characters. I feel like there's an opportunity to develop all these characters, like a character like Apu, into something that's more contemporary. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really care. Like, Did, you know, of course. Well, that's the that's, thing. That's the is, weird part That's what's about so interesting it. about, like... The hate mail. It just became. It became the like focal point of like this is the whining of wokeness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The ruining of the and things none of that them are saw good. The documentary and none of them like they're all and they're all saying the same things that are, are addressed in the documentary. You don't say that about Groundskeeper Willie. That's addressed. Like there's all this shit yeah, where it's yeah. like you didn't even watch it. This is just like there's a template of what you're going to be angry about this week, and you've just slipped yeah. this into that. Yes. And I'm just kind of like dealing with it. Death threats. Like well, tell all me, that cause, shit. Because yeah. I'm interested in just. The f I, I've talked a couple times. This is specifically on stage. Yeah. When I'm in uh, Richmond or or Alabama. Sure. And I tell talk about guns. Yeah. And and I I have anxiety. And sometimes someone will leave during that section. Yeah. And in my mind, I if I have the thought they're yeah. going to get their gun. Yeah, yeah. Which they didn't have on them for some reason. <laughs> they could have brought it in. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to get their gun and they're going to shoot me. Yeah. And it's something I I have to. It's like having a mini anxiety attack on stage that I sure. have to calm down as I'm like entertaining. Was there any moment that you've been scared from all the death threats or really concerned yeah, about one in when particular? They, not one in particular, but when people started messaging venues and we had to get extra security at shows, like that was yeah. like, how real is this if they're actually beefing up security? We're not too worried, but we, we did get a couple of undercover cops or, you know, cops out of uniform. And I'm like, that seems like you're pretty worried. Yeah. Like and the venue not, pays for that? Yeah. It's like security. It's like you have to protect. It didn't come out of my check, you know, but that's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. It's just it's just shitty. I'm like, this isn't fun. And also, like, I don't want to die for that. I'd like to be martyred for something more important than a fucking cartoon character. Like, the thing about it was, like, when I was doing the thing, the funny thing about the documentary is that the rage I showed in the documentary was kind of, it was me having to feel old feelings of when I was a kid, you yeah. know? Because, like, things have changed so much, I didn't have that same, like... You know, I didn't lo don't love the character, but I didn't have that same anger, you know, because there's a more important things. And plus, the Apu thing is so old, man. Like, yeah, I it's, that's what's hard to imagine. All of this is like people getting really upset. You're like, uh, like The Simpsons was so present growing up in the 90s, I feel like. And it is still on, but it's wild to me that there's people that were coming around in the 90s yeah, yeah, watching yeah. it are still... Watching it, a lot of Are people they? aren't even watching it. Or is I mean, it new people watching? Thing. That's that's why I'm like to, to be mad, that mad about it. It, then. it is complicated because I think it's a lot of people who, whether they watch it or not, 
uh, like I said, fits a template of this is what political correctness is. Then there's the yeah, Simpsons yes, yes. fans who are very protective of it and are very upset about this. And then actually, the, I think the biggest contingent is the global audience because most of the like the death threats I've gotten aren't in English. They're from uh, folks in Southern and Latin America. It's often Spanish. When it got to Portuguese, I'm like, okay, Brazil finally hates me. And I would have to translate these death threats. I'm like, oh, this is a death threat. Like this is, it's because the Simpsons, I have no idea if the Simpsons is subtitled. I don't know if it's dubbed, but whatever the context that they're watching it in is not the context that I have of here. Of course. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so to them, it's like this guy's ruining a character I like. And this show has a, maybe is still huge in other places where, you know, it's not like here. It's like it's still this thing that brings yeah, yeah, in a lot yeah. of money and a lot of people still love. So, you know, to me, it's like I pissed off more people than I ever expected to piss off. Um, I also I think people have this assumption that, like, this is the most important thing to me. And it was like literally a document of a period of time and an attempt to draw out something uh, that we don't think about. Like, this is a bit of casual racism that still exists and had a context, and this is what it was like growing up with it, and this is what it's like now, and see how things have changed, and racism is insidious, and this character was based on a Peter Sellers character that was racist too, and how racism just finds a way to keep repeating itself. And, like, it was as nuanced as a true TV documentary could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the documentary I wanted was definitely... I, I wasn't planning to be in it. Like I wanted it to be more of a like clips of different images, some context interviews. Like my voice became the voice because I think they said like, you have a strong comedic voice that needs to be in it for to make this work. And so it kind of became uh, something that was a lot simpler. Yeah. More 101. Like I made a short film in 2009 called Minoj that's on YouTube right now that covers this issue like in a much more subtle and thoughtful and funny manner in 12 yeah. minutes than the doc. Sure. But the thing is, it's, so it's old for me. It's not an interesting topic. Of course. You know, for me, the interesting part was making a thing. Yeah. What, what's like, yeah. To just tell me like, what's the last death message you got? Like, what, what did it say? Was it just like, fuck you, I'm going to kill you? It's probably something like that. It's not nearly as elaborate as the ones before. The does ones it slide off your back at this point? Or do you get a do you get Most, a tinge? I still get a little bit of a. This is annoying. If you got a death threat, I think I think you that first death threat you're gonna you're gonna I, struggle with. I'd move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even people saying, <laughs> like showing a picture of a bullet and like you know wait for this at your next show. That's that. And Facebook terrifying. saying that it's like that doesn't violate their terms because it's an image and not a word. That's a slur, so it doesn't really didn't violate their terms. No. Because I, I, I went to a parade on Broadway. I don't know if you're familiar with a parade, but it's, it's, it's Jewish. It's about like a, a man, Leo Bloom, who was falsely accused. Um, and they had metal detectors outside. But, you know, it's like these metal detectors, I don't trust them. You know, whatever they do for security for the venue, it's pretty minimal. Right. And I had, I had, I got a little stoned before, mm -hmm. and I just, I had that creeping thought of just like, what if, what if, what if? And I feel like a lot of performers have to deal with anxiety of someone going to kill them on stage. We had a fight break out in the audience at Titanic. I told you about. Yeah. Recently. We have a security guard now. Uh, really? That, uh, yeah. Comes He's every, an off-Broadway show called every Titanic. Show, every mm. show that he has to be there now uh, for does, that. Does he seem like he's... He's gonna stop something. He does. He's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my interaction with him. He's very nice. And What's his name? 
Um, so don't uh, don't put in too much work, security okay. guard. Uh, I'll just always remember when I was working at LOL, some guy was getting in my face, and the security guard was making sure uh, his girlfriend was signing the check, <laughs> and that's that was the priority. That was very clearly the priority. Shout out to you, Kendall. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time. Hope you're doing okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you got this kid. How old's the kid now? Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you said in, in the special you were talking about, you were saying uh, what your child was uh, gender-wise assigned at birth. That's how you kind of talked about it yeah, in the yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, And I mean, uh, all, all children. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But I imagine it's easier in theory than in practice to raise a child gender neutral in a gendered world. I have a friend who uh, is raising their child gender neutral and they themselves are non-binary and I don't know how they do it. Like it seems so difficult. And, and, and the reasoning they have is like I didn't have a choice and then I had to undo a ton of stuff after. So why don't I let them feel what they feel? And, uh, you know... Which is, to me, it's like fascinating, but it's also an incredibly hard thing to do because I don't know what the child's lived experience is like. I don't know how people refer to them. Like, how, how do they negotiate what they know and have been raised with compared to what, how the world treats them? So I find it, like, I think it's a really difficult thing to do, and I certainly, you know, we chose not to, so. You chose, what did you choose? We to choose not, we chose to say that our child is a boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think... In, there's sometimes there's things where I'm like, in theory, that sounds nice. Yeah. But I feel like the world would then treat them in a way that is like it, it would polarize well, a lot still, of people right out the gate. You're still putting something on. You're putting them like non-binary exactly. on them. You like, are putting so something that putting that, something that in yeah, the world is the, dealt with in a certain way. But I do understand some. I do understand it. It's like if yeah, you, for sure, because yeah. it's like you're. In one situation, you're putting something, you're, you're giving, at least when you're giving them the choice, it does add that hardship potentially of like people wanting answers of what are you, but is that better than the feeling of this is not who I am and I'm sick of living this lie, right? Yeah. So I, it feels like between those choices that I, you know, with, with the experience that my friend has had, it makes sense. Like, why would I force this kid to live a life they don't want to live? And if they want to choose something, it's a lot easier to go from, uh, you know, non like not being gendered to have a gender mm -hmm. to ha having a gender that's a sign that you no longer say is your gender. Like, it's a lot harder to do what people currently do. Yeah. Right. Because if you slip into like, I'm a boy, people are going to accept that without issue. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you you talked about your parents that on this on the special, especially your dad. Was that true? Your dad didn't say "I love you" until he was going into the operating room. It's an exaggeration, but it's basically my father really really didn't until he had heart procedures, like he had stents put in and stuff, and then all of a sudden he got a lot more sentimental, emotional. That like that wasn't my dad from my childhood. Like he was very different once that happened. A lot more hugs. Like I've never got a hug from my dad. Like it wasn't a thing, and he but he's definitely got more. Uh, in touch with that and more connected to Did us. Did you welcome after. it? Did it feel strange felt and strange. surreal? Felt strange. Yeah. It felt strange. I mean, it's not like I didn't welcome it. It was, 
because it's still it's your dad, but it's it was just like this is so this is different. This is not what we do, you know. Uh, we do now, but like but it was, was, my dad yeah. and I, we have a tough relationship, and he's had some medical stuff, and it it's sometimes it's like. It's like, well, I guess our relationship's just going to be tough until you go into surgery, and then we'll have a big, deep moment together, and yeah, we'll yeah, cry yeah. and hug, and did hopefully ha- make it out. So we have happen? one more. Uh, yeah, we've. Oh, he's Italian, yeah. So we 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 kiss more than he, my mom and I ever kissed. Yeah, he yeah. hugged. Uh, very very intimate relationship, and yeah. I think even even with all the bad blood between us or just the fighting and the disagreeing, we are always physically like hugs and yeah, kisses. And, yeah. But before the surgery, it's just, you know, it just feels like uh, uh, pri- uh, primal. Is that the word I'm thinking? It just feels just very much like yeah. father, like M- Mufasa, like I love you, dad. I mean, at, at that point, everything else goes away. It's literally like life and death. All the other, var- any argument, any issue you've had, whatever's going on in your life, not, all that gets pushed to the side. And it's literally, will you still be here? And that, you know, that's a very intense feeling. I think for him, it feels like he... He de- I think he g- got out of some of those situations realizing how much he, like, my kids, my my wife, this is everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about raising your kid, mm. do you, in your head, do you go, oh, this is what my parents did that I don't want to do? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, there are certainly, uh, you know, methods I, I wouldn't apply, you know, the use of guilt or... How did they guilt you? Uh, is It's... I'm trying to think of like a concrete example. Was it like grades? Was it was it your behavior being a jerk? Like, it was. It, yes, it was. I wasn't. They were never terrible with grades and stuff. But you know, I'm trying to think of it. But like, if you do this, then then fine. Go ahead. Do do whatever you're gonna do. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, sometimes they would. My mom would say. Yeah, you're an American anyway. You know, like I guess you're really you're an American. So this is how Americans are. Wow. And that was the insult. Like, don't call me an American. And I'm like, yeah. I'm American. Yeah. And, and by their choice, they they came here, right? Yeah, but that's not the point. It's but, still yeah. this sense of identity. It's, it's like, yeah. it's taking it's like taking away like this is who you fundamentally are, but I guess you're not. You know that. Yeah. Which is crappy. Uh, you know that is she didn't that mean is a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Don't you dare call me American. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because outside the house, that's the only thing I wanted. Right? Yeah. Actually, CBA is American. But it when separates they, you, know. you from them. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a funny thing, you know, and that definitely echoed in my head. You know, when you're especially when you're an adolescent and you're thinking about dating and stuff and all of a sudden it's like dating wasn't a thing for them growing up. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like the, there's a concept of love marriage. Like that's a marriage where you choose the person because you love them. Like that's the, uh, you know, that, that's not the norm. You know, that's the outlier. Yeah. You know? So, you know, just that kind of compare what's American, what isn't, what Indian, what's Indian, what isn't. Like a lot of that stuff, looking at it now, I'm like, it doesn't even totally make sense because they're viewing India in a certain lens. India is frozen to them to some degree. Really? Yeah. yeah, because they left. You know, like so. Like I go back and like visit relatives, and I meet like f- you know my parents' friends' kids, and I'm like, these kids are so much worse than we are. This is ridiculous. Like they like drinking and like going out late, and I'm like, I. I like, basically, they left a certain version of conservative southern India. Mm. 
years pass, things change, new like media is introduced, kids have different expectations. Like even like religious epics, like we grew up studying like Hindu epics and stuff. And so I'm like fairly well versed in some of that religious stuff. And I'd go and make a joke about it with like family, friends, kids, and they would have no idea what the hell I was talking about. Like, what? You didn't have to do this? Yeah. Because, like, to my parents, they're still frozen, and this is what a good kid does of this era. This is how you behave. These are the standards. And the standards changed, but they didn't know because they were here. Uh, so with, with I know nothing about Hinduism. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, is there a weekly service for the... No. Hinduism is a very... Uh, it's very loosely regulated. It's very like there is no. Okay, so my understanding is that there's there are these Vedic texts that were created by priests a long time ago. My brother's pretty convinced they were high on something, and uh, uh-huh. and a lot of that, like like a lot of the fundamental ideas in yoga and things like that, like the self and all that, that comes from there. Then you have all these like traditions of. Um, just like, you know, how like there's pagan elements in Christianity that kind of morphed, you know, along with it, Mm. you know, like it's kind of like that. So you'd have these different local gods of different animals and things like that. Mm. So now you're like, you have this and you have that, and now you have to find a way to combine them together. And so you create stories about like, these are the central gods and this is how your local gods fit in and stuff like that. Was there a time, do you remember a time in your life where you believed it fully? Yes. Of course, yeah. Growing up, yeah, absolutely. Just to have so many gods honestly seems more fun. Like, more, I, yeah, I, yeah, I remember a phase fun. of like believing in one god, but never did I like just have a multitude. Yeah, Hinduism, uh, you know, if marketed well, is really kid friendly. Yeah, you're really? talk- your gods like are like action figures. Of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. they're all they're uh, the elephants and monkeys, and they're all like kind of personified. There are wars. There are like, I mean, the Hindu epics. If you watch like the, um, you know, they they get they get cut into miniseries. Like different generations have different miniseries. Like it's incredible. You're watching like monkey men and you know demons and so much of Star Wars. I mean, I think even George Lucas talked about he took elements out of Hinduism, and you can see it. Like it's very clear. Like even like in uh, do do you all see the not the rise of the the fifth one where Luke Skywalker dies. No, at the I'm not a big Star Wars boy, but do yeah. you see it? Yeah, you oh, know I how he's know like that. he's a basically he's meditating yeah. and in projecting his body elsewhere. I mean that's I mean fuck yeah. that's straight yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. out of like Hinduism. Like a lot of this stuff. Some of the names are like there's one character called Ash- Ashoka or something. That's an Indian name. Like there's tons of influence. Like. Mm. Hinduism, you know, that's part of why I didn't buy into a lot of this stuff growing up, like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. I got into it later, but part of me is like Hinduism is already that, plus people Uh will die for it. Like people, like Star Wars and Star Trek fans aren't killing each other over who's right. Sure. Hindus and Muslims are. You know You're like I mean? you think this is toxic fandom. You're right, you right, have right. No idea. <laughs> have you tried religion? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was. If, I mean, I don't know if I want my kid to see some of it. And I've debated with that a lot just because it's very violent you know all religions to some degree but like hinduism there's lots of beheading there's lots of war there's lots of, of just violence. of just the gods or of people too both like because the, oh. the myths are very you know that's a big part of it and um 
Which, when you watch some of the videos, the series from the 80s, it's funny because they had minimal technological advancements at that point. So uh -huh. it's like, this is clearly a green screen because that person's head's cut off and it's at a very clean angle. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a very, it's like, and I can see some of the green screen. Yeah. Like, but, you know, it's very, um, you know, I, I, as it's funny because I still very much enjoy it as myth. You know, uh, I definitely am critical of it now, and I see a lot of the the misogyny in it. I see also how caste is used, and you know, the, mm. it, the ideas of of caste definitely certainly got kind of cemented. Because if you're telling these stories where Brahmins are the ones that are in power, like the Chatriyas and the Brahmins, like basically the warrior king, you know, royalty class and the class of of uh, teachers and people who actually control the knowledge, yeah, you know that that gives you a lot of power, right? So, you know. Again, like it's this weird thing that's mixed with historic local customs, these Vedic texts, um, and different classes of people trying to take power. I mean, and all religions have elements of that. I mean, Christianity obviously has that with, you know, what is it, the King James version is the one that we all follow. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. It's all been kind of worked on and changed, and in India, very, uh, Hinduism very much has that. Um, where, where were you born? Uh, in Queens. In, in Queens. Yeah, Flushing Hospital. And how long had your how long had your family been in Queens? Mom got there in eighty one. I was born in eighty two. Dad got there in seventy seven or seventy eight. So they were they were put to they were arranged. Yeah. After they were both here. No, uh, Dad went back to India, and married Mom, and then they both came over again oh. together. Yeah. Did he come here to like? Why did he come here before he was arranged? I mean, is I it, mean, was it typical you get arranged there, come here? Not, not, there's no consistent, you know. Yeah. But, but I think for him, his sister was over here, and the idea of more opportunity, just like a lot of immigrants, and what what could this country bring me? And, you know, I, I would love to hear more of Dad's stories about growing, not growing up, but he was in his mid-20s living in the city when the city was the city. You know, when it was yeah. violent and when... Yeah. There was sex workers walking around this. It's like the move. Like Times Square's house. Crazy. I mean, my dad yeah. always goes taxi driver. Back when I was a kid, he'd be like Giuliani. He hated Giuliani because my dad. He's a little Italian, so he as if the mob meant something. <laughs> and he was like Giuliani busted up the mob, and he he yeah. knows none of this. But like, I think he liked where Times Square was sex workers and drugs and yeah. Oh, it was not a place to walk down unless you clearly had a mission. Like it was very, the way it was described was like, this is tourists. were not going to go there if they were smart. That was not the place to but go. But isn't that still where Broadway was or was Broadway to the side? I've always been no, confused. It was still there, but I think Hell's Kitchen, like I think Hell's Kitchen was really like, that was scary, scary. But yeah. I think Broadway was still there because uh, yeah. those theaters are old. Those are the theaters are like yeah, but block 30s, to block. 40s. It's going to be different, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, four blocks in one direction. You you know to avoid yeah, that yeah. and you stay here. You know, but uh, my dad worked at like Dwayne Reed Drugstore. I think might have been the original one on Dwayne and Reed Street. Wow! To be honest. Oh, I didn't know that it was just on the street called yeah. Dwayne and Reed. You didn't yeah. know that. No, it's Dwayne yeah. Reed. Yeah, is it the one in Times Square? No, no, Dwayne Reed. The original at the one, corner though. of yeah. Dwayne and Reed Street yeah. downtown. Okay, is and, the original Dwayne Reed. And he, but he would tell me how, like, you know, he would because he, he never went out. To, like, he loves disco music and everything he listened to when he came to the country. Still, like Donna Summer, yeah. Laura Branigan. Yeah. You just go through like Bee Gees. Like, he loves all that stuff. And 
I asked him, like, did you ever go out? You were like in your mid twenties. Like, did you ever go out and and hang out and go to these places? And he's like, no, but I would see people walk in at, to the store after they'd be they'd go and you'd see them all decked out and the music would be playing and wow. stuff. So it's, his experience of it is so fascinating as like somebody from the outside observing this and you're the same age as these people that are going out and doing stuff, but you can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, was working. He was just struggling. Yeah. Was Disco's just 70s or did it bleed into the 80s? My it, mom it, I think bled it bleed into, into the, 80s. the early 80s. Yeah. And then there was a very like uh, pushback to it. Anti -disco. People, there was an anti-disco movement of like, Fuck disco, you know. Like Which now, when you look at some of that stuff, it was like very like homophobic and yes, like, yes, yes. I didn't know very, that. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like coded. It, it, yeah. it is definitely coded. You watch yeah. old content, and it was like disco, like this weird thing of like disco's lame, disco's gay. Basically, is yeah, what they're. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thing. didn't know that's yeah. what it. I didn't know. It was, I don't think they. Ever, I thought it was like just not liking toot toot. Yeah, that was well, some it's of it, like but a it's thing also... though too of like it's like any sort of thing that gets popular. You're like, there's great, great disco music that then becomes like the pop, the most pop, safe version of it that you feel like you've heard a million times. You know what I sure. mean? Like so, so, but yeah, there was a big pushback, and it definitely was a weird like. And it had like there was a big part of uh, like big, uh, big gay presence in disco. Like whether yeah. you're talking about like. You know, village people. Whether you're talking about like uh, yeah. Donna Summer, uh, Donna Summer, or Diana Ross's "I'm Coming yes. Out," like there's yeah. there's these this Grace bit, Jones, all oh, Grace, like Grace there's Jones, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I all mean, of her stuff. all of that. It was a pushback against all of that culturally. That's why I think my dad liked it so much because he's he's not gay, but he's 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 an effeminate man. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. feel like he like talks about John Travolta in uh, what's that movie? Oh, Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which have you seen the movie? I've not seen it. The first not half not. is like it's like Saturday Night Fever, and the second half is one of is Dark. the darkest fucking shit you've ever seen in yeah. your life. Do you know what happens? No. They basically they 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 rape a woman in the backseat of a car, and then oh. she jumps off one of the bridges in New John York City. John Travolta does. That's the I don't Saturday know Night he, Fever movie. I don't know if he's the one who does it or he's just like on the lookout. But like we're talking like just on people the know that movie from John Travolta's from dance one. break yeah. scene. Yeah. And then I watched it and in high school and I was like, holy shit, it becomes one of the darkest movies you've ever seen. Oh Astounding. My God. Astounding. Um, Jesus. All right, that's my next documentary, guys. <laughs> uh, Let's uh, destroy another classic American yeah. thing. But yeah. but now that makes sense why my dad would like it. Because I feel like he just like he he does the dances and he I'm like, yeah. he, he has more moves than, you know, just a casual <laughs> parody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then your mom was a, was a fucking doctor. Yeah, yeah. What kind of doctor? It was, it was, uh, it was general practice, but she worked a, a lot with like women, like in smaller towns. She had her own practice. Um, there weren't that many, what my mom referred to as lady doctors. So like the women wouldn't have like a person they could comfort, especially in a conservative country. Like they could actually yeah. go to, to talk about their issues. And so she, she delivered babies. She dealt with general issues. Did she like, consider was, herself like. Uh, uh, a progressive a woman or was she super smart like how did this happen she she i mean she was aware that like this wasn't a thing she was young she was a woman it was like a con more conservative part of the country very educated part of the country but still like you know a, a woman being able to do all that and also she was unmarried into her late 20s which isn't a thing that really happened very often in that era like she was this career woman who like achieved all this stuff and was a hero to so many people in her hometown because like look at the, but she was also really tall so she stood out regardless of whether she wanted to how tall is she she's uh, she's by indian standards keep that in mind she's like five 
eight or five seven, but she shrank a little bit. But by Indian standards, <laughs> a woman that's like five eight, five nine is a, a lo- big woman. No one's that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like she's this woman. <laughs> she like stands out. She's educated. Like she's a doctor. Every you know, she also used to do classic South Indian dance, and people knew her about her dancing as well. well she sounds like a badass. She was, you know, and she is. But like you know, when she got married, had to get like. She lost a lot in that trade, you know. Did she ever say, like, why she made that trade? I mean, it was an, it was an arranged marriage, so it's not I, like I, she was like... Right, but it, there was... I mean, she had choice. You always have choice. Yeah. But I think it's um, expectation, you know. It, it, it's very much like you're a certain age, it looks bad for a girl that age to not be married. And it wasn't her pressure as much as, like, family pressure and... Um, my mom was always has always been someone who's um, has valued the idea of duty. Like this is your responsibility, and to a point where I'm like, I, like I'm grateful to exist, but I kind of yeah. Know, it's 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 she's a very uh, yeah she's a f- fascinating human being, and and her life is it's it's very depending on which phase of it totally different stories like i hear the stories about when she first came to america and how she saw the world never seeing snow and the people she met the way she describes the people she met is so incredible because they were a wide range of humanity many different races many different people all that were kind to her a lot of different immigrant groups that all like gave her information and taught her what to do she said there was this old guy i think he was either irish or italian and she met him at the library so she was probably in her late 20s and he was probably in his 50s or 60s and they'd go to the library she'd meet him at the library and then they'd go to a bar she'd have coffee he'd have whiskey or something and he'd basically lay out what this country is go over like so there was a civil rights movement and then this happened and this happened and this is something you should know about the country and just filling her with the information of like this is what you missed and it was like i hear these stories i'm like this is beautiful there was a lot of stories like that about people who like as immigrants even though they weren't indian like or were three generations removed from immigration who just immediately stepped up and connected. And like, wow. it's so beautiful, man. People don't see that part of it, but that's, it's beautiful. That's fascinating. Yeah. And Queens has a lot of that still, I think, mm-hmm. but that's, I mean, look, man, when people are talking about like in other parts of the country, what they're afraid of, they're just describing New York. They're describing everyone growing up together and speaking many different languages and many different religions, and it, you're just surrounded by everything. That's what they're talking about, and yeah. it's it's as I've gotten older, I realized how lucky I was to grow up here because my God, like so beautiful what I was able to take in, and I hope my kid gets a lot of that too. Yeah, it's t- I mean New York's. There's times where I'm like, why do I live in this fucking city? And then there's times I'm like, oh, because yeah, you can't you can't ignore and you can't uh, go on autopilot. You like, there's a thing where the broad spectrum of humanity is on full di- display, twenty four seven. Yeah, where you'll be like, at the same moment having this great day, personally, professionally, whatever. Yeah, and then see something that's truly like. Wow, that is oh, difficult to see, difficult to blah blah blah. Everyone rides and you the subway. Have to, you have to deal yeah. with it. You have to process it. There's an ability in other communities, other places right. in the country, where you can ignore huge spectrums of this of this humanity that we are a part of, and that's what people ultimately want. They want to be able to ignore it. They want to not have to deal with it, 
And I love New York because you can't ignore it. You have to, even if you're not dealing with it in a way that's helpful of thing, you have to emotionally deal with yes. it and come to term in your head. And that's something that, that I think is why I love it because I'm like, there is parts, it's just a terrifying thing to be like, no, I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't have to process that. So I will shut it out. I will pretend that doesn't mm. exist. That's what is, that's and, and what also, a lot of places want. You except know? what it is you've, you're doing in the, I think of it, maybe not the best metaphor, but, but like when we don't deal with uh, having to kill animals to eat animals, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And so we get to live in this world where we don't actually know how the world's working. We're not, we don't understand yeah. how it's functioning. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with like, with capitalism, right, where right. I just feel like when you're here in New York, you're seeing what if this is the world we're going to live in this is exactly the results the stratification yes the like yeah 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 gentrification who gets new buildings who doesn't that's why every politician yeah. should be riding the subway i know it's at least new york new yeah, york yeah. but because i know security wise it wouldn't work yeah that's the other thing about new york they would get stabbed that's yeah. the that's the other part of it. Like <laughs> yeah. in theory, that makes sense, but the other side of New York is uh, that's you know why they should be writing. It. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, people will let you know how they feel yeah. one way or the other here. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Was that the so you you tell a story uh, uh, towards the end of your special? I, I hope it's not. It's okay to speak. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Where where basically. AOC wrote you early on yeah. in her political career to collaborate. Yeah, when she was running for office the first time. Which people we all we all get messages for things yeah. all the time. From AOC, I don't do. <laughs> but I also, for me, honestly, sometimes I I'm like in my mind I'm like I I don't want to work with politicians in general because I'm just not sure. I, I I don't feel I'm intelligent enough to know when I'm being bamboozled. Oh, for, for me, I was I was on board because she was representing. Jackson Heights, which is where I grew up for a while. I read her website. It was like her points of view completely aligned. She was a woman of color running. Like, you know, I did. I actually like looked up. I'm like, oh, this is incredible, and still chose not to because I was trying to make a documentary about a cartoon character and just didn't have the time. Yeah. While working on a Netflix special, I was shooting later that year, and so with that in mind, I like it turned down and then ignored the most influential, important politician, I would argue, the last decade. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it was a mistake. Uh, even if even if she had lost, it was a mistake. But yeah. her winning really, really <laughs> makes it makes you feel it. Yeah. But she she I saw on Twitter. She she saw it. She saw she, it. She's aware. Acknowledged it. Apolo like accepted my apology essentially, and, uh, and she said she's actually collaborating with John Mulaney now. Oh so God, that's it's like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I got in touch with Huston right after, and everything is just. <laughs> I got the bigger fish anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's she was very graceful about that because I, honestly, I've, every time I told that that story, even during the taping, felt incredible because the audience loved it. They'd lose their minds over it because it's such an absurd story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and every time I'd get off stage, I would feel like shit. Really? It, it always felt like I still can't believe I did that. So her actually messaging us, going back and forth, was closure. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, oh, I had one more thing. Oh, I, I have you still 
Never performed at the Comedy Cellar. Yeah, I still haven't performed at the Comedy Cellar. What the fuck? That's weird. How did you what know? Did I fuck? tell you about that? No, no. Well, yeah, when we met at NYU, we had a real heart-to-heart <laughs> about it. That's <laughs> what I was We had a big conversation. Though. No, I listened to your Mark Maron episode yeah. to prep for this. I'm weird about that. Uh, the number of people that said they would vouch Chris Rocks, that he'd vouch for me. Like, I, It's not like I, I don't have people that would vouch and say he would do it. It's just... Uh, when yeah. I was younger, that was comedy to me. It was the comedy seller. It was seeing Greg Giraldo and Marin and uh, Tom Papa and uh, Jim Gaffigan and just go down the list of every heavy hitter of the era. Patrice, you know, they were all on those lineups. What what era? What years? We're was talking this like you were ninety nine, two thousand and four, roughly that kind of yeah. And it was this just. What was the seller back then? Was it just McDougal? It was just McDougal. Okay. And it, it believe it or not, like it would we would go on off nights, like Tuesdays or Wednesdays, and they couldn't fill it. So what they would do is that you get, you get a coupon online and you know, if you I think they would let eighteen year olds in and you buy two sodas and it's a free show. And oh. so that it was like they were that's work. so cool. So I got to see people work out material, which was in- incredible because that's not what TV is. You actually see things not work and how they'd fix it the next time you saw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was incredible. So I, I put it on such a level, you know, yeah. uh, where I, I've, you know, I've done a fair number of things in my career that I'm proud of. I've traveled all over the world. I've definitely performed in bigger venues. But that was the one that always made me anxious, even though it's just a comedy club. And now it's funny because now... It's like not as big a deal because there's four venues. Sure. And almost everybody I know. I work there. Everyone I know is fantastic. Like all of a sudden, it's the pres- I don't mean to be insulting, but the prestige of who was playing there before versus like you're talking about these people I looked up to. And now it's like, oh, everybody. Well, you're fully that. in that world now, too. Like, right. There's right, a right. thing where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, it, yes, yeah. I do want to do it at least once to say I, I did it at least once, you know. Uh, I, and also, it's a beautiful venue. It's like the comedy club. It's it's perfectly built for stand up. Like McDougal's is have you been to the McDougal? Yeah. 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 Not tall ceilings, good views everywhere you sit, like just great venue. Like, yeah, that's, like that's I remember the they used to put us in the front though. Me and my other there's three brown kids sitting right in the front row. And initially I was like, Oh, it's so cool. We got the front row. and then you're like, Oh now Voss needs a target. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. This is this is also let's give people some fodder, you know. What would they what would they say? What would it varied do? pre and post 9-11, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> there were different things. So pre-9-11, what was it? Was it <laughs> Kevin Brennan mood at me once, I remembered. Because uh-huh. I'm a Hindu and like they're like they're like cows there. Moo. I remember them like that. Real real A to B thinking. <laughs> It was, you know, and again, that was a time where, like, it, that was seen as really funny. You remember? Yeah. This is like when, because there was no, how many South Asians were there? So the minimal you knew, you could apply, and that was it, right? Sure, sure. And for us, I'm like, that shit's corny, and nobody knows it's corny. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, the terrorist jokes and shit like that. I remember I was doing Live at Gotham. Uh, in 2000 and what year? 2007, 2007. Uh, is that right? No, 2008. And I was in London. I was getting my master's in London. I'd, I'd flown back. Hadn't done stand-up in like six months at that point. Oof. Relearned my act. I'm like, okay, I guess they still like me. I, I'd been on Kimmel right before I went to grad school. So I'm like, I wasn't sure if I still wanted to do comedy. Like, I'm, this seemed like such a far-fetched idea. And then when the second TV thing came, I'm like, I guess this is real. Yeah. And so R- Rich Voss was hosting. 
And I went up, and my they sat my brother in the front row, in the front row, dead center in front of me. Hell. And uh, it was. He he just he looked terrible. He hadn't gotten a haircut. Oh no! Uh, it just his hair was wild. Funny you roasted your brother. You're like moo. <laughs> <laughs> Voss was going after him all night, not knowing who he was. Oh yeah. But my brother is also like a maniac. He'll just play right off. So Voss said something about him being a terrorist or something like your standard <laughs> issue. So my brother uh, <laughs> opened up his jacket as if there was dynamite underneath. And pretended that it exploded. So he's like, <laughs> and Voss moved on to somebody else. Voss <laughs> <That>, oh. <laughs> like, I picked the wrong. Yeah, this guy is, <laughs> my brother's not going to, my brother's also much funnier than I am. Like, he's just, he's yeah? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that work with the audience? Did they laugh or were they like? I think they were like, what the fuck is going on? This is a TV yeah, taping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Good for him. But he doesn't give a shit. I mean, that's the thing. He's. If he wanted to do stand up, he could have because he just his just so quick, so smart, so funny, more well read. Like a lot of times when I write certain jokes, I think about his voice. Yeah. Just because, you know, I could imagine his delivery. He's, he's what does he do instead? Everything. Like he had a show on HBO last year called Chillin' Island. Damn. Uh, oh. uh, he, uh, he was in a rap group called Das Racist that was popular maybe like a uh-huh. decade ago. Uh, he uh, he dabbles a little in modern art, and so he's at exhibits at the Guggenheim and the Whitney. Oh my Jesus God! Jesus Christ! Wow. Just like just fucking around, making kind of things. Uh, he's got a new show where he does things for the first time to prepare <laughs> for his son. I'm like busting my ass trying to get that show on air, and 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 this all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, remember those uh, TV." things we shot for Spotify. Spotify doesn't want them anymore, so they sold them to HBO, so we're on HBO now. I'm like, me, spending all these years just working, just working, and he stumbled into one. Um, But he's, you know, he kind of, he kind of does everything, and he's good at almost everything, and he just has his hands and everything. He just produced a film, um... Uh, co-produced a film that has uh, Sandy Honig and uh, her brother sure. in it that played at Southmine apparently did really well. I think so. Pennies from Heaven. I think that's what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, so he kind of he kind of does everything. Oh. Like he's is that tough? Is that tough having a, a brother that you're that they feels like oh he could do stand up? I just wish more people appreciated how brilliant he was. You know he's that's my nice. you know uh, it's funny sometimes people will try to pin pin us against each other by saying like yeah your brother's funnier than you does that make you feel bad and i'm like i know he's funnier than i am like i I tell people he's funnier than i am there's no doubt he's funnier than i am like there's nothing that's going to make me actually feel bad about my brother being successful and good at something like it his success is absolutely my success and so i just want people to know how incredible he is if your brother could do better characters than you would you be like cool um, it's so hard to imagine. It's so hard to imagine my quiet, quiet lawyer brother doing characters. But yeah, actually, right now, it'd be great if right now he did a career pivot and started getting into characters instead of being a lawyer. That would be great. Um, let's go to our next segment. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. Uh, Hard, do you have a, a this has got to stop? Um, I have a few options. You tell me which one you want me yeah, to just, do. Just go. And just we'll see. We'll do we'll do one or two. Okay. Um. Okay, I, I'm sick of uh, people asking me to make a silly face in photos after shows. Oh. 
I don't like it. I just gave you an hour of, of thoughtful commentary yeah. on the world, a very personal, thoughtful material. And afterwards, you take a picture with me and you're like, can you do one with a silly face? I'm like, seriously? You think that's funny? You think uh -huh. that's a, I just did this for you and I could have just been a fucking clown making silly faces? Yeah. How yeah. dare you? It's what do you do you say no? I said yes in the beginning and then I'm like what's your go to cuz here's mine. This is embarrassing, but like if they want something, mm -hmm. I just go like Yeah, that's yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. Like, eh? yeah an easy what one. Be yours? Yeah, similar. It'd be like you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a silly face. I, yeah. I, what I do sometimes I'll fake that and then I do just let them know, like, I don't like this one yeah. bit. Mm -hmm. um, so that is definitely, it just feels like, come on. You, you, got, you get your, your picture, which is basically yeah. your social capital for Instagram, uh -huh, and uh -huh. you get to see a show that you liked. Why do you want more? Why are you asking right. more of me? Why are you trying to make me look foolish? Debbie Downsiders, which are our listeners, when, when they come to a show, I try to get them to do thumbs down looking sad. Yeah. But then immediately after, like, they're like, okay, can we? Get like a fun one now. Yeah, for yeah. The people who for the for the people who don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, they're confused. You're just for the comedian being like bad. Another, um, can I give you another one? Go for it. Uh, I don't like paying adult tickets for my two and a half year old child on airplanes. I think it's absurd that they're a lap child at two. Soon as they're two years and one uh, one day, got to pay a full price ticket. Kid doesn't even fit in the seat. Okay, I I I agree with this with a caveat. Okay, so you, they they sit on your lap up to two. That's this allowed. Yeah, you don't. You, they don't even have a ticket. You just hold them and go. It's yes. like it's overhead. Yeah, I I agree. I don't like seeing kids, babies in first class, because I, I go. You would be comfortable in my chair. You'd be roomy in my chair. But then their parents have to sit. Well, they're, then they're just alone back there? The, the airline system is not prepared to deal with the complexities of human there nature should be a kid at all. Section. It is much easier. With a nanny. We have gotten upgraded to first. Uh, it is better for the kid because he has more room. Uh, you don't, like, it's not as cramped. Uh, he's, it's just, it's just an easier setup. Having I just had one recently where I walked past to us. Too. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I just had one recently where I walked by first class and there were eight kids, their little legs dangling in this yeah, gigantic yeah, yeah, yeah. first class chair. And I'm like, something is, something's wrong here. You could fit in the overhead. Yeah, if we're being I, honest. Listen, I, I agree, but also the logistics of well, what are their parents going to sit up there and they're going to sit back there? Like you're begging for like a, like also the parents are fucking exhausted and yeah. just want their kid to go to sleep. And if you have more room, the kid will tire himself out. You, like when, my, when there's no space, my kid just wants to run up and down the aisles. He has a lot of energy and it drives us nuts. But we, I want him to chill out, play a little bit, pass out through the rest of the flight. And that's good for everybody. So, so but you want your kid's seat on the plane to cost what's fair for you? They, uh, a discounted fare. My kids, like, if maybe like two to ten, they pay a third price. Ten to fourteen, they play pay half price, and then fourteen up, it's full price. Or we can even lower that. I don't think a two year old or a three year old should pay a full price ticket. It's absurd. They they should be given a discount. It's absurd. What do you think, Russell? Um, it's hard. Um, I think that it's a chair. A chair is a chair. 
is my in my no. mind. But I don't have kids. I know if I had to pay for any, like if I had to imagine paying a ticket for my dog on that plane, <laughs> no way. I mean, my coming. thinking is because I get this as someone who didn't have a kid three years ago. Yeah. But like, uh, it is hard being a parent. Uh, you could, could say, well, it's your choice. You chose to become parents. I'm like, yeah, everybody's parents chose to be parents in some way or another. Yes. There's a kid that's there. Y- y- this is a societal thing you have to do. You have to be good to parents because it's fucking hard. And, yeah, they should be, should be get, given discounts. We're creating humanity. If the kid goes on killing somebody, who gets the fucking blame? The parents do. But, but that we're good with. Oh, the parents, the fucking parents. What did they do? Oh, they must have not disciplined him enough. Oh, they let him. They 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 didn't even pay attention when he snuck out and bought a bunch of guns and hid them and then shot up a school. We we get the fucking blame for that. Sure, but if we find out that the kid that shot up the school also got discounted airplane tickets his whole life, that's gonna piss us off even more. I think all plane tickets are too much. Yeah, it's well, crazy. we had we had my friend uh, Liam Nelson on, and and he's seven feet tall. Yeah, and uh, has yeah. bar fans, and you know, so his his body is in pain, and there's and it was amazing. There's really nothing handicap wise helping him out at all, at all. I cannot imagine what he has to go through to fly on a plane because for That's me, awful, yeah. yeah, yeah. So because I mean, even the 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 emergency exit seats are not going to be enough room if you're that tall and also in that much pain. It's not that much more leg room. What if there was an airline that was just for parents and kids? Yeah, that would. I mean, it would it would be painful for the flight attendants. But if they're trained uh, well, for they that, get paid. They get paid extra they get paid or whatever. Well, yeah, I think that'd be great, man. I think that works for everybody. I think. A lot of people would pay, uh, oh, five percent more on my ticket to to guarantee there's no kids on this flight. I think that's true. I think we'd pay that amount, and that amount that goes to pay the. I'm not against that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, you got one more? Uh, yes. Let's see. Uh, I let me put this in here. Uh, <laughs> What's wrong? No, nothing. Oh, okay. I don't like. Uh, oh, you guys make the call. I got uh, the air. Airport security industrial complex and people saying after my shows that was pretty good. Ooh, I like I like the pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. I just take I just did an hour of comedy, <laughs> and you come up to me and you say, "Hey man, that, that was pretty good." Pretty, pretty good. It's the pretty it's adding the pretty. the pretty in there. Yeah, it's like it's like. Why were you skeptical? You came. You bought a yeah. ticket. What, th- throwing the Correct. pretty in there, they're like, "Wow, oh, I was surprised. Pretty good." Also, who the fuck are you? Yeah, who the fuck? Like, are who- you like, uh, like? Uh, ugh. It usually sometimes it sometimes gets preceded by, "I didn't know who you were before I came to the show." But that, that was, was pretty, pretty good. good. Are you are you the president of Hollywood? Who are you <laughs> to tell yeah. me? I uh, my least favorite people go. That was actually funny. Oh, you're actually really funny. Yeah. And I go like, like, like. So, so what, what? How did you perceive me before all of this? I like that better though. Because you like that better? Yeah, because it's saying like I like uh, comedy. I just didn't think also I, I would be appreciate. Interpret- but I mean, yeah, it yeah. Could be interpreted. This is great. You were fantastic. Pretty good. It's like I sat through it. It wasn't the greatest thing, but it was pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. It was all right. I would pay five dollars less, but it was pretty good. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I don't like that. Just don't say anything. And then now you want a picture with me making a silly face. That makes it <laughs> worth it. Now I smile and it's all worth it now, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, you know what? You're you're really good. Look at that face you made. <laughs> uh, let's go on to our final segment. You better count. 
blessing. You better count your blessing. Uh, something, something we're, we're thankful for. I'll start this off. Uh, I'll start. Oh, oh, you, oh, you want one? Oh, wait. Go, go for it, buddy. Go, go for I'll it. I'll go. So I see uh, it's called uh, the Orchard Barbershop. This is where I get my beard trimmed. I got it trimmed yesterday. A, a great guy named Boris. Very Jewish. Uh, uh, so Jewish, I, he didn't know what a JCC was, which is a Jewish, Jewish community, community center. center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I guess that's like too... Too on like the mainstream? Fr- too mainstream, I yeah. guess, at JCC. Uh, and and he did the thing. He has whiskey there. This is what they do at barbershops. They, they have like, whiskey do you want whiskey? Beer, yeah. Whiskey or beer. And he offered it to me, and, and I was like, sure, why not? And boy, was I drunk at 1230 in the middle of the day with this double shot of whiskey that he poured me. And also, he took it too. He drank it too. And I was like, maybe after you trim my yeah. delicate hairs yeah. with that big razor in your hand. But. Great, great barber. Always treats me well. Yeah. He's got another kid on the way, apparently. So go, please support him. Wow. Because uh, you know I'm not tipping. So go. <laughs> That's not true. I tip very nicely. Uh, uh, I love a beard trim. Feels good. I think they should offer shots like when you go to get the MRI. Yeah. Why are we doing? I don't need the shot for the barber. I'm about to get like a you know moisturizer yeah. and beautiful thing. Give me <laughs> shots at other places. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if the doctor yeah. said that? Before we discuss how much calcium is in your fucking artery, let's give you a shot to cool it down. There might be some kind of licensing issue with that, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. There's no way these barbershops have a light. I shouldn't get my job. Uh, uh, Russell, what's your blessing? Uh, my blessing is our dear friend, Douglas Goodhart. I'm excited. Uh, he's getting his, his, his wedding uh, is t- tonight. Uh, or is, you know. Yeah, the, the, the ceremony cel- already cel- happened. They spared celebration us. Celebration is tonight. Blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, I'm excited. All We're all going to, all, all my friends will be there. I'm very excited for him. And um, also, just a small thing. He got me out of having to do my show tonight. That's a nice little. Uh, he got you out of it? Oh, like because I'm going to this thing. Oh, so, sure. You know, I thought he like just, called in a bomb threat or something. <laughs> no, no, no. So I just uh, shout out to Dougie Boy, who I'm uh, very grateful for and excited to celebrate tonight. Shout out to all the Debbie Downsiders who bought tickets to the show Titanic to see your favorite <laughs> podcast co-host tonight. He will not be there. I will not be there. Uh, do you have a blessing for us? I mean, I spent so much time writing things I hated. I forgot to think about things I love. Give me a second. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, oh, here, here's what we'll do right. Oh now. wait, I got it. I'll go for it. I'm really grateful for Spindrift. Sparkling water, particularly the the mango orange flavor. The idea that they were able to create such great taste with only 12 calories is spectacular. Also, I feel like mangoes are the greatest things in the world, and they're not appreciated enough. So for a mainstream company like Spindrift to offer a mango option, though I would prefer without the orange, is fantastic. I don't know why people do that. I wonder if that's because they're like, oh, we'll soften it. We'll add an orange. I don't. People know maybe you. people can handle mangoes in this country because if they had this in, in South Asia, it would certainly just be mango. Like, why? Wh- wh- you need a chaser? You need yeah. an orange chaser? Is that hey, what's going on? I love on? mango. You're preaching to the mango choir here. And I just that's that's something I ab- absolutely mean. Spindrift orange. Do you get sponsorship? Uh, not yet, but I would love a spindrift. If they just made that free. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. Um, And then real quick, we do this new thing now uh, with with the patrons. We're going to have – you're a member of the Patreon. We're going to put your your names on the screen right now while I tell a street joke. Unless – do you know a street joke that you really like to tell? Let me think about one, and you go first. Okay, I'll I'll say a short one in case you come up with them. Russell, feel free anytime. I know you hate street jokes. You don't have have an admiration for my craft. Uh, 
Uh, I can't promise this is good. Didn't verify it. A little girl's in school taking a true false test and she's flipping a coin. At the end of the test, she's flipping the coin again. The teacher says, what are you doing? She says, checking my answers. <laughs> One come That's to mind? Straight from the street. I'm, 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 think, I'm thinking of a Paul Mooney joke that sounds like a... A street Ooh, joke, and I'm I love to, a good Paul Mooney joke. And I'm trying to see if I can get it right because I feel like it'd be doing everybody a disservice. If I got okay, think, think. I'll, I'll do one more. Uh, yeah. Goldberger says to his wife, <laughs> "I'm gonna shoot my jizz in your ear." Oh my god! She says, "No, don't. I might go deaf." He says, "I doubt it. I'm always unloading in your mouth, and you never shut the fuck up." <laughs> that one's from the street. That's from the street. <laughs> Okay, I think I, I got. I think I got one. Uh, all right, this is this is I think a Paul Mooney joke that sounds like a street joke. I'm not sure if it is, but it sounds like one. He's like a uh, little white boy covers his face in chocolate and goes up to his mommy and says, "Mommy, I want to be a black person." And she slaps him and says, "Don't ever say that again." And she, he goes up to his daddy and says, I, I, "Daddy, I want to be I want to be black." And then uh, he slaps him. And then he goes up to his grandfather. He's like. Granddad, I, I want to be black. And then he slaps him. And then uh, the parents go up to him like, what did you learn? It's like, I learned that I've been black for 15 minutes. And I already hate you white people. I've heard, I've heard that one before. I've heard that one with the N-word in it. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah, 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 God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, I imagine Paul. He, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it probably did. You told me that one. Didn't you, Russell? Shut the fuck so, up. <laughs> it's, it's like perfectly structured. It's, yeah. an abs- it's like set up like a street joke, and it's also Mooney's voice. It's a beautiful joke. Yeah. Um, uh, Russell, where can people find you? Uh, at Russell J. Daniels. Come see Titanic at the Daryl Roth Theater. If you're interested in seeing it, uh, send me a DM, and I will uh, help you out with a little promo code. Yes. I'm going to go see it with my producer, Paige Asachika. Yes. Can't wait. Hari, where can people find you? Um, at Hari Kunabolu on all the socials, which means you're going to have to Google H-A-R-I and the word comedy, and then it'll show you because there's no way you're going to figure out Hari Kunabolu. Um, I have a special vacation baby that is available for free on YouTube and a longer version on Bandcamp. It's an album that has a different edit that's 25 minutes longer. Ooh. Yeah, and it's called Extended Vacation Baby. Oh. Um, so that one costs money, so no pressure, though I do have a small child. <laughs> but uh, no no, no pressure to anybody. Uh, you can find me everywhere at your Marcus Racy. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash downside. Also, real quick, we're going to try a new segment uh, with me and Russell. Yes. Uh, if you got a, a family a family fight, Fight with a friend, but mostly with the family. Something, some kind of uh, uh, squabble. Looking for advice. Looking for advice on how to deal with it. Who's in yeah. the right? How to deal? Russell comes from a happy, healthy family, as you know me. I do not. Uh, email it to either message one of us on Instagram or write the downside wgs at gmail.com. It will be in the notes as well. And um, 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 yeah, I like to end on something a little bit negative, a little bit sad, a little bit. Uh, brutal. So, uh, fuck you. Do this it ending is fucking brutal. <laughs> this is the downside. One, two, downside. You're listening to the downside. The downside with John Marco Cerezi.